it's, oh, it's the Shanahan McVay offense. We've got Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be revitalized. And then you come out week one, and all the same problems are still there. I did some reporting after they drafted him. And by my, from my understanding, people I talk to, I can tell you. On this week's Against the Grain podcast, we have a new segment called Get Out of Here, Man. We're going to make fun of the big NFL storylines that everyone is overreacting to. Also, we'll talk a little rookie quarterbacks. It's going to be exciting. Hit the music. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to the post-week three Against the Grain podcast. I am inventing a new segment because it's three weeks into the season and everyone is overreacting like crazy, including myself. But I'm going to call this the get out of here segment. Like, get out of here with that, man. What are you talking about? Does that make sense, Mario, the producer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, oh, this team is great. Get out of here, man. Uh, so I'm going to look at the really good teams so far this year and try to debunk them. Now, this is an old stick of mine. This is classic against the grain Perloff. I think the guys on the DP show hate it, but I don't really care because I see the overreactions and it makes me furious because I'm a huge schedule guy. Your fate is determined by your schedule. The NFL obviously schedules where the last place team in the division gets a big boost. So we're seeing some joke schedules. So I'm going to look at the good teams and the good players who are getting a little help. Let's start by looking at the strength of schedule rankings. This is actual numbers. These are real numbers from Stats Inc. to determine who has played the best and the worst teams. Now, number one in the easiest schedule is the New England Patriots. They have played the most ridiculously easy schedule. A bad Steelers team, a horrible Dolphins team, and a Jets team without Sam Darnold. So we don't know anything about the, the Patriots. Of course, they're the defending champions, so they're good. But don't even there's always even start analyzing them. In fact, most of their rest of their schedule is ridiculously soft too. But whatever. So Patriots off the board. Now we get interesting. The next two teams on the easiest strength of schedule list are the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. Both of them have played teams that are combined one and eight on the season. Now the Niners <laughs> turned the ball over. I think it was five times and still won against the Steelers the other day in San Francisco. That was a bit of a joke. I really have no idea how good this team is. I think their defense is actually pretty good. You know, they've been drafting like crazy up there. It's finally hit. But don't start talking about the Niners like they've arrived. Get out of here with that. So you have to come. Do we have a sounder? I'll make one up. Yeah, go ahead. Get out of here. Get, do it with like more New York accent. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, man. No, that's that one. What was that? Get out of here, man. Okay, <laughs> Buffalo Bills, one and eight. They got super lucky to beat the Cincinnati Bengals 21-17 this week. They were killing the Bengals. I mean, it was – I thought the Bengals were going to need a mercy rule. Then Josh Allen threw a dumb pick, which is his problem. He's really talented, but he'll make a bad play once in a while. Their schedule, by the way, the remainder of the season, they have the second easiest strength of schedule. They play no one all season. They have a lot of Jets and teams like that. So they're going to make the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to go out on a limb. But – it doesn't really mean they're a good team. It just means they have a ridiculously easy schedule and they're, they have a great defense. Uh, and Josh Allen will, can run, make plays. I see them as 9-7, and 10-6, and six, and we're still not going to know how good they are. Then an interesting one, the next easiest strength of schedule is the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas Cowboys is everyone's pick du jour. Everyone's into the Cowboys. 
But what do we really know about the Dallas Cowboys? We certainly didn't learn anything from them this week against the Dolphins. In fact, the Dolphins were making a game out of that pretty much the whole time. Uh, if the Dolphins had not dropped the ball in the end zone and all over the field, they probably could have even been in that game. There was a point where all the momentum was with the Dolphins and Josh Rosen. Then the week before, they beat the Redskins. Uh, that one was kind of a, a, a non-game. And in week one, they beat the Giants, who were terrible at the time with Eli. So we have no idea about the Cowboys. But guess what, Mario? We're going to find out about them soon. You want to know why? Why? They're going to the Saints uh, without Drew Brees. Yeah. I, I don't know. Then they host the Packers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, then, then they go to the Jets. That's not going to tell us anything. But Sam Darnold might be back. Then they host the Eagles, who've been bad, at the Giants. Oh, my gosh. They're really going to do so well. So do you want to change your Super Bowl pick again? Because just last week, you were all in on the Cowboys. No, because the rest of their schedule is easy. I'm still good with the Cowboys. Okay. Uh, okay, another couple easy teams. The Seattle Seahawks have faced teams that are 2-7. and seven. Uh, now, they had a tough loss this weekend, so we won't even talk about them. No need to tell anyone to get out of here because no one's on the Seahawks bandwagon. <laughs> but the n- next one is the Detroit Lions, who are, I think, six easiest schedule, 2-6-1. and one. They're a very interesting team because I actually I don't want you to tell get out of here. I I want to get in there on the Detroit Lions. I like the Detroit Lions. Get in here. Get get in here, Detroit Lions. Uh, <laughs> they have uh, you know Matt Patricia's got a good defense. Matt Stafford is Matt Stafford. He's pretty good. So why not? Let's let's jump in on the Lions bandwagon too. They're pretty good. No, uh, Mario's giving me such a look of skepticism. They should have lost that game yesterday. If it wasn't for uh, a lot every, of yeah, every well, that, receiver in Philly dropping the ball. But that game was in Philadelphia. The fact that they were even in the game. Uh, a couple of easy schedules here. The Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Rams, Texans, and Panthers are the other teams that have played non-winning schedules. Now, of course, three, three weeks, you're one-third of their schedule, so you've contributed to their easy strength of schedule. But whatever. I'm not going to break down the numbers here. It's get out of here. It's a segment that's sweeping the nation. Get you all know it. Here. You all know it. You love it. A couple other players. Lamar Jackson, you know, we've talked about the, the hype around him. There is with every young quarterback. Look at Baker Mayfield last year. Lamar Jackson's uh, sort of beat up on the number 32-ranked defense Miami Dolphins, the 29-ranked Arizona Cardinals, and on Sunday, the 24th-ranked Chiefs. A lot of garbage yards. I don't know about Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to give him get out of here because he's awesome. But let's not like, you know, I think people were anointing him just a little too early. Dan Patrick put it well on the show today. He said to talk about Brady and Manning for Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous because Lamar Jackson, he hasn't even played even nearly a season worth of football yet. So let's just let him grow a little bit. The other get out of here, we're going to have a guess on this, Daniel Jones. Uh, after the game, Pat Shermer said he's just a winner. Dude, they lost the game to the Bucks. They lost that game. If the Bucks don't screw up the last few seconds and then miss the f- field goal, which was a, uh, an extra point, then the Giants lose. Daniel Jones has a great debut in a losing effort. Now he's like this winner guy. I am not going to buy that. I love Daniel Jones. I was in a, Remember last week on the pod, I said his preseason was like a Dak Prescott preseason. It was ridiculous. So I'm in on Daniel Jones, but let's, let's slow down a little bit. I'm going to say get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, so we're going to talk to Pat Leonard of New York Daily News about Daniel Jones. I'm very, very curious. What's the real deal with Eli Manning? Is he really happy for him? Pat's c- covered the Giants for a little while, knows Eli. 
So, or does he, is he going to waive his no trade clause? Do the Giants all of a sudden think they're playoff contenders now? I have a lot of questions about the Giants. There's one thing that is, uh, you can't question. Their defense is a work in progress. Janoris Jenkins got burned by Mike Evans so many times. It was embarrassing. So, I don't know where this is all going. Of course, Saquon Barkley in a walking boot. There was a moment to me that said a lot. I don't know what it meant. At the end of the game, Saquon Barkley is on one foot and a crutch running over. I think he's running off the field like so excited. He was running. He must have been going 30 miles an hour. I think Saquon Barkley can beat me in a race in a walking boot and a crutch. Absolutely. Is there any question? Not a doubt in my mind. But also, isn't that like, doesn't he risk injuring himself if he's running around in a walking boot? And a crutch? That seems like a very dangerous situation for a high-priced professional athlete. Like, shouldn't you be walking if you're in that situation? I don't know. Get out of here, Mario. I don't know. I'm going to stay in. He's invincible. Besides that ankle injury, I don't think that other foot's getting, or that other leg's getting hurt. Wait, who's your team? The Jets. So you, you don't have any Giants allegiance? No. Who would you buy stock in right now? Sam Darnold and the Jets or Daniel Jones and the Giants? Um, Daniel Jones and the Giants. Just because as a Jets fan, I'm used to just being disappointed. But the Jets by have everything. Yeah, that's true. The Jets do seem snake bitten. The Jets have more talent around Sam Darnold than Absolutely. the Giants have around uh, around Daniel Jones. Although Evan Ingram is amazing, their tight end. And if Saquon's there, it's a good argument. Uh, you know, there's really no wrong answer there. It seems like. <laughs> Until we see otherwise, both teams are a little disappointing. And also, a little bit later, we'll be talking to my old friend Aaron Nagler, who works for Cheeseheads TV, to talk about the Packers, who are 3-0, and but it doesn't feel like a confident 3-0. and It feels like there's a little bit of, I don't know, not panic coming out of Wisconsin, but they don't know where the Aaron Rodgers offense is, despite their record. That should be a lot of fun. But first, let's talk about Daniel Jones with New York Daily News' Pat Leonard. <laughs> All right, Pat, tell me what it was like in the press box in Tampa Bay at halftime when the Giants are down, Daniel Jones is playing okay. Did Could you have possibly predicted the Daniel Jones madness that was coming? I don't think so, Andrew. I mean, on the one hand, there were some people, there were murmurs in the press box and people saying, you know, making like the snide sports reporter comment, oh, man, you know. When Daniel, when he ran that touchdown in, it looked like we might have something special today as far as the story goes and the back pages go. But it looks like it's slipping away from us a little bit. And, of course, it snapped right out of it with that touchdown to Evan Ingram. But as as of halftime, it felt like one of those things where you saw some good signs from the rookie, but based on the defense and the fact that, of course, the rookie quarterback isn't going to be perfect, you figured that they were on their way to another loss and certainly not an historic day for yeah. this kid. Now, what did you expect coming in? I expected him to be better than Eli Manning is right now. Yeah. Because Pat Shermer, basically, he felt as strongly about Jones before week one as he did before week three, which tells me that, you know, if he just worked for himself, he would have started the kid right away. Obviously, he has bosses, and there are reasons why they kept running it back with Eli over the last few years. But his mobility, Jones's mobility, and his deep arm, uh, were two of the major factors that made Shermer fall in love with this guy and Dave Gettleman when they drafted him. And that's why Shermer couldn't wait to get him into the game. I mean, you saw some play calls, including the RPO or the, the you know, the uh, read option 
that he scored on on his first touchdown, you can't even put that into the on the call sheet when Eli's your quarterback. And <laughs> yeah. that's not even that's not crushing Eli at all. It's just the fact. It's just a fact. He doesn't have that physical skill, and it makes him that much more to defend. So I think what I expected from Jones, I actually predicted the Giants to win based on the fact that I thought they could score more points, but I certainly didn't expect it to happen. Um, I guess not only in such a dramatic fashion, but with him throwing for 330 plus yards scoring four total touchdowns and doing it without Barkley available for the entire second half on top of that. That was uh, especially impressive. You know, you said something interesting. You said Sherman, if it was up to him. I feel like you're sort of blowing past, and we all blow past that. I, I live in New York too, so I hear the radio's calls, but what other, should the NFL coach be able to decide who he thinks the best quarterback for the team is? Which leads me to the next question too. Like, isn't this basically a screwed up situation that they use Eli for two games and they paid him and couldn't this have all gone much smoother? Oh, definitely, Andrew. Think about the history of it. Two years ago, John Mara signs off on a move after discussing it with Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese. So Ben McAdoo, the head coach, says, at Thanksgiving weekend, you know what? It's time to take a look at somebody else. Jerry Reese agrees. John Mara says, okay, let's do it. They do it. They handle it, you know, poorly. Eli Manning handles it poorly, and everything goes up in smoke, and everybody gets fired. So Pat Shermer gets hired, and one of the understandings of his hiring, as he had voiced to us as they drafted Daniel Jones and as it came time, was, I'm the head coach. It'll be my call when Manning sits down at Jones' place. And Gettleman and Mara kept saying that that was the case as well. But, of course, we all were here two years ago, and we know that we've heard that song and dance before, and they won't necessarily follow through. So that's why I think it's especially gutsy of Shermer here to do it. Now, you could argue, too, it was out of desperation in the sense that he's 5-11 and last year. He starts 0-2. If they continue to lose and he doesn't make a drastic change, then his job could be on the line. Uh, but, no, it's definitely a situation that – has held the Giants back years. The fact that they have remained married to Manning, the sentimentality of it all, the fact that they refused to remove the personality from the evaluation had held the Giants back for years as they tried to start rebuilding, but they couldn't fully rebuild until they moved on from him. Thankfully, Shermer stood up and became the adult in the room. And as he described it, he went to Mara and everybody, and they said, are you sure? <laughs> he, says, <"I'm> sh- <laughs> he goes, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's take one step back then to this offseason. So there's been a lot, there was a lot of criticism. The Giants took Daniel Jones at six when they had number 17. Now, mm-hmm. you can, obviously, you cover the Giants, so I'm not expecting you to know what 31 other teams wanted to do. Do you think, are you, I don't know how to ask this. Do you think Jones would have been there at 17? Because they're multi- mixed reports. You know, the Giants then said the Redskins weren't take them, but they obviously were interested in Haskins. I kind of believe that somebody might have jumped in because you never know. Well, I did some reporting after they drafted him. And by my, from my understanding, people I talked to, I can tell you that there wasn't a team between 6 and 17 that was going to take him. Now, I knew I, could, I figured out every team other than the Redskins but the Redskins, that was pretty widely reported, including from ESPN. I think Diana Rossini was on it, uh, that the coaching staff and the coaching staff wanted Jones and Daniel Snyder wanted Haskins. So even though people liked Jones in that building, they were never going to win a tug of war and a power struggle with the owner who, who signed their paychecks. This wasn't going to happen. 
people whispered that Denver was, but uh, best of my knowledge, that was not it. You know, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Miami, et cetera, these are all teams that were not going to take him. I actually thought it was interesting. I hate when this stuff happens too, but like the morning of the Giants Bucks game this past weekend, uh, there was a report on NFL Network. I think uh, Ian Rappaport reported that Dave Gettleman liked Jones so much that he took him at six, but he recognized that he still needed a pass rusher, so he tried to trade up for Josh Allen, the Kentucky. Oh no, who looks great by the way. Right, right, looks great. And also, there was a report. I can't remember who reported around the draft. Also reported that as it got deeper into the first round, he tried to trade up for Brian Burns of Florida State. He went to oh. Carolina. And looks great. So what I know that they tried to move up for a pass rusher, but I don't like the excuse making. I don't like the hedging leading into Jones's first start of, Hey, listen, I know our defense is lacking a pass rusher, but I knew <laughs> we needed one. I just love this kid so much more. Um, listen, I, I totally agree with taking a quarterback. If you truly believe he's the franchise guy, no matter where it is. But I think most of the shock was about almost everyone's pre-draft evaluations and also the understanding of where he would be available. And, even though he looks good in this first start, remember, and Dexter Lawrence has played okay, but Dexter Lawrence is a two-down player, and if you pass on a pass rusher there, that could also hold your rebuild uh, back, just like the quarterback situation does. Well, they almost got Brian Burns at 17, but everybody on earth knew yeah. the Panthers were going to take him. So I guess that yeah. wasn't almost... You know, the only... I'll play devil's advocate. Mahomes going number 10 in 17, and Deshaun Watson going number 12 and 17, you know, there wasn't a lot of reporting about the Chiefs and the Texans moving up in those spots. So, and I think a lot of NFL teams were disappointed that they didn't move up for those two quarterbacks. Do you think it's possible that that was in Gettleman's mind? Yeah, that's possible. And I, I actually, listen, I believe that they talk to people because they even said, you know, our, our intelligence, we don't talk to the same people you talk to. I mean, whoever they talked to around the time of the draft leading up to that pick, they were told that some other team mm. or some other two teams were going to take it. So maybe that was misdirection. That's that's my read on it. You know, I'm sure the Giants will tell you something different. There's other people who will tell you something different. Um, but, no, you're, you're right that the precedent shows, like with Watson and the Holmes, that some team might not even – be angling specifically for him, but then as the guy falls a couple more picks, they say, well, we got to go get him. Uh, what's crazy for the Giants, though, is that Ben McAdoo loved Patrick Mahomes oh, <laughs> in that draft. Of course the he did. Giants yeah, and they could have been one of the teams to surprise, but um, you know, Jerry Reese uh, does not like to trade up in those types of situations. Man, the Ben McAdoo era could have lived on. That would have been wild. Uh, you, may, yeah. you mentioned the defense. <laughs> So Janoris Jenkins, uh, what was, did he say he needed? You know, he could do five to ten seconds, but no more than that. And then that was that was a national. Uh, it was a little embarrassing what Mike Evans did on him. Not just him, but is the whole defense any chance that ship gets corrected, or is there not enough talent right now? There's not enough talent for them to be cons- like dominant for a full game. I mean, James Betcher, the coordinator, is working with a lot of players who, even though they have some skill and they try hard. They're, they're kind of out of place by a position or two ahead of their talent level, right? So, like, Marcus Golden, that pass rusher, he's a good pass rusher. He's been their best so far. Normally, he would probably be a team's first sub rather than a starter. Jabril Peppers is not Landon Collins. He's a couple steps down. He's talented, but he's not Landon Collins, et cetera. Um, it's been encouraging. The, the two second halves these last two weeks, they've come back out and been a totally different defense. After making adjustments, they've made plays. Michael Thomas made a great third down stop to set up Jones's game-winning drive. 
um, in Tampa. Um, and I think Janoris, he's actually a problem. I'm glad you brought him up because yeah. when I when I say problem, I'm referring to well, this is now back-to-back weeks, and you alluded to it, where one, after giving up some plays, he starts finger-pointing in the locker room after a loss. Yep. Then the week after that, even though he's their highest cap hit on the, on the defense and actually the second highest on the team this season behind Eli Manning is on the bench. <laughs> Jenkins was their weakest link on the field. So you can't be paying a guy like this, and he's supposed to be the mentor to all these young DBs. You can't be – you have him on your roster and have him playing this poorly. What he said after the game was that he was trying to anticipate Evans's routes and jump them and that he was guessing wrong on some of them. I mean, I, I guess, man, whatever. <laughs> you're, yeah. You know, you're, you're within five to ten yards of the guys. He's making like 40-yard catches downfield. I mean, whatever it was, it was a bad strategy. Okay, now you've seen the Cowboys up close. Uh, you're going to see the Redskins next week, uh, and I know you know the Eagles pretty well. Who's the team to yeah. beat in the NFC East right now? Dallas, not even a question. Um, yeah. it, it's actually crazy that so the Eagles could easily be 1-3 and three after going to Green Bay on this short week yep. and probably will be. And if the Giants beat Washington, they'll be in second place in the division, which is oh, man. Un- unthinkable given uh, given what we knew coming into this season. But uh, it's a long year. I think the Giants' talent level will not allow them to win too many games. But Jones and their coaching and their effort, I, you know, I predicted them 6-10. and 10. I still think they can get to around there. But no, Dallas is the gold standard. Uh, their defense is fast and physical, They're both of their lines, offensive and defensive, give you problems for four quarters. You know, they're not going to dominate the second quarter and then let up in the second half. That's not them. And frankly, Dak Prescott looks awesome. I mean, yep. let's give the guy credit. You know, he gets ripped when he doesn't play well. I mean, he's playing terrific. Maybe they, maybe they took it a little easy on the Dolphins, knowing that it would be an easy day, but... I think Dallas might actually run away with this division if uh, if Philly doesn't get healthy and get themselves together. It's interesting. We're, we're recording on Monday afternoon. The Redskins play tonight. Now, they play a ridiculous defense in the Bears. I'm curious if it's going to be the Dwayne Haskins-Daniel Jones showdown next week in New York. Do you think Are we looking at the next great NFC East rivalry? I don't know why. I don't quite feel that yet. Yeah, right. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see that yet. I think we'll see it later in the year. Uh, but I actually, I had some people tell me in the preseason uh, that saw both Haskins and Jones that Jones was a clearly better quarterback. Uh, but of course, that was still preseason. So you take it a little bit with a grain of salt. But even the word out of Washington seems to be that even if they continue to lose early on, that Haskins isn't ready. Um, it'll be an interesting dynamic. Case Keenum is the quarterback who Pat Shermer. Uh, ran the offense with the Vikings a couple of years ago, got to the NFC Championship, and actually that was what got him this Giants head coaching job. So it'll be his old quarterback against his new quarterback, um, and Landon Collins will be out to make about 30 tackles and five interceptions, I think, to try and prove the Giants wrong for getting rid of him. Well, that'll be a lot more than I've watched a lot of Redskins. He has not done much for that. That defense couldn't make a play if his life depended. I'm, so mm. full disclosure, I'm pretty tight with Case Keenum, we actually worked on a book oh. together, and uh, I've been frustrated. The Redskins are one of those teams that drives you crazy because they have all this talent, but they they get injured. They're, they're just everybody's injured all the time, so I don't see them really yeah. doing anything. But uh, and it's the Eagles, man. That's a lot of people's Super Bowl picks, including uh, mine and Dan Patrick's. It really feels like these injuries are mounting up quickly. No doubt. Yeah, I have them. I had them losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl as well. Um, 
the injuries are killing them. Um, it, it actually, what was most discouraging to me, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going wrong in Philly, but the toughest thing for me to watch was when they played in Atlanta, it looked like Carson Wentz hadn't learned a thing about how to take care of himself. No, He was taking huge hits for the full four quarters of the game. And so I'm watching this and I'm thinking, well, forget what else is happening. I mean, this guy's going to get hurt again. You know, and that's a, you know, you don't want to wish that on a guy, but that's how he's playing. He's playing with that same reckless abandon and the Eagles can't, they don't have Nick Foles. You know, they're not going to go win the Super Bowl if Carson Wentz gets hurt. So all those other things are critical. I mean, they have problems in the secondary, yep. they have problems with their depth, they have their receiver injuries, but Wentz needs to take care of himself. Um, and then maybe the back end of the schedule helps them out a little bit. But if he doesn't take care of himself, then you know, nothing else matters. There was a fumble. It wasn't even his fault. There was a fumble that the Lions defender was running down the field. Wentz ripped after him and dove at him, like reminded me so much of Andrew Luck chasing guy after an interception. And I thought the yeah. same thing. I'm like, he is, he does not, I've not learned anything from what happened, but you know, it, it's only three weeks. I mean, that Packers game, who, who knows Thursday night, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen on a Thursday night. And the Eagles really could have won that game. They, I don't know how much you got to watch, but they had a lot of drops. Um, all right. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, Goddard dropped a touchdown, yeah. Uh, okay, there's two two more things I'll let you go. Did you see Saquon Barkley running off the field with one foot at the end of the game? <laughs> yes. Is that safe? Yeah. I was like kind of worried. I'm like, should he slow down? The dude just got hurt. Uh, but he feels yeah, like – And there was a big argument with my producer and I. Who Could I beat him in a race – while he's in a walking boot, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Saquon, who would you who would you favor there? I think if he knew he was racing you, you would lose. I think if you if you just saw him hopping like that hurriedly no. and you started running, you would beat him. But if you told Saquon this is a race, he would beat you. That's how he is. Okay, uh, Pat, you're from Philadelphia, like me. Who is the most impressive Philadelphia high school athlete you remember seeing in person? Wow, good question. Uh, Kobe Bryant, easily. Oh, so you went to some uh, of those Kobe games? Yeah, yeah. So I saw him play in Lower Marion. Got his autograph at a LaSalle game when his dad, Jelly Bean Bryant, was an assistant there. Because if you remember, that's where he was going to go, or yeah. one of the places he was considering going if he went to college. And then, of course, he didn't at all um, and went right into the draft. But, yeah, no, so saw Kobe dunk hard. Uh, yeah, many people, including going through all five guys against the full court press of Chester and doing like a windmill against Chester. Move, Chester was awesome. Move. Oh yeah, at Villanova too. Chester is always good, so definitely would have to say Kobe. So I played Kobe at the Y on City Line Avenue once, and it was a half court game, and he was like a sophomore. I'm like, oh, he's a sophomore. I'm going to show this little guy, this little whippersnapper. So nobody dunks in a half court game. It never happens. He started dunking off two. It was like, wait. You're 14 years old, and you're dunking off two feet without running up. This is ridiculous. Uh, he was just a killer. He was a killer. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. But I guess Kobe is mine, too, but I almost feel like that doesn't count. I, was, I, I, I think I saw Rashid Wallace once in a Christmas tournament. That was impressive. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, Eddie Griffin for Rookie oh, Catholic, yeah. uh, rest in peace. Um, Kyle Lowry, saw him play at Doherty. He actually played uh, with one of my best friends at Cardinal Doherty. Um, he was excellent. Played in the back of a one-three-one, roaming the baseline. Nice. You know, if he intercepted a pass, he just went, you know, full court, untouched to the, you know, to the tin. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, Philly. 
love Philly hoops. I mean, Philly hoops, hoops. Is, is everything. The Palestra is my favorite arena in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, football, we, it's not a great, I mean, Matt Ryan's from there, and I'm sure there's a bunch. There are definitely some yeah. Philadelphia football connections, but it's not yeah. really a high school or college football town. I mean, yeah. I, I see like uh, SEC tonight. I'm like, I didn't grow up with that at all. Right, right. And it was actually, it was interesting to me, growing up in Philly, it was such like a pro football town with the Eagles. But then I went to Notre Dame, ah. and, you know, everyone there is from either Illinois, Texas, or Indiana, pretty much. And so all they care about is college football. Like, they know more about TCU <laughs> yeah, yeah. than the Philadelphia Eagles, you know. And I'm thinking, wait a second, got to catch up here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it wasn't, you know, Notre Dame fans weren't happy just coming close to a top-10 team. You actually used to beat top-10 teams. Oh, oh yeah. Pat, come on. You laid it out there for me. I had yeah, to. That was, that was right there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, well, let's uh, catch up later in the season when Daniel Jones, because it's one game and everyone's acting like we all know about Daniel Jones. I'm very curious right. where we're going to be in week 12 with this guy. Yeah, no, I look forward to, to catching up then. And you mentioned earlier, you know, a possible Jones-Haskins down the road. That's actually one thing that I'm really looking forward to throughout the schedule here. He's definitely going to face Kyler Murray head-to-head. Yes. He's, he's going to face Sam Darnold head-to-head. He should face Haskins head-to-head. And he should face Josh Rosen head-to-head as long as these guys stay healthy. So all of those will be interesting to watch because they're all QBs, the Giants, you know, could have had, passed over, et cetera, for Danny Dimes. Who is the third string in, in Miami? If Rosen is out, which I'm going to imagine is going to happen, I got to pull wow. up the. Yeah, I don't even, I don't know. even know. Because that, that game's late in the season, right? So I wonder. It's funny. I don't feel like Josh Rosen's going to be there for that. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Uh, right. Just, based on, just based on the fact that of how their team is built or not built, that it would be tough for him to last to, to, uh, to that point. I, I totally don't see a third string. I don't. I don't see a third string quarterback. So they're gonna. Yeah, I mean, what, when you're tanking, don't you just roll with like five or six quarterbacks and you know no depth at all anywhere? I mean, what's that about? I don't know. I mean, I felt like in the preseason, the Giants had like seemed like six quarterbacks. So I, I don't know <laughs> what the deal is. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it. Talk to you soon, Pat. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Andrew. Take care. <laughs> Oh, man, it's always good to talk to Philly people, especially ones who cover New York teams. There are a lot of us. You go to a Jets or a Giants press box, there's a lot of people who grew up being Eagles fans and 76ers fans, and they have to hide it. But Pat's a good man, and we're going to talk to another good man, an old friend of mine, Aaron Nagler from Cheeseheads TV, who is really one of the national voices on the Green Bay Packers, and try and figure out what is going on with this team. All right, it's my pleasure now to be joined by an old friend and a NFL expert and former video partner of mine. Aaron, remember when you and I were thinking about going national with our little uh, post-game video wraps? Those were fun to do, man. Those were a good time. Uh, we should we should start that back up again. That was we had all we had lots of grand plans for that, dude. I'm so in, and you know what's funny too? I am such a big fan of yours on Twitter at Aaron Nagler because you're a little braver than I am on, on Twitter. Like you'll put out like your personal life, like uh, your dad DJing, which is awesome. What right, is your? Right. How do you approach that? Because you are a bit you're a bit of a thing in the NFL Twitter world. Uh, how do you like? Uh, balance the personal and the football and the humor and the respect. He's like, and you're associated with one team, the Packers, so you can't rip them to shreds, but you're really yourself on Twitter, which I find hard to do. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I try to be. And, hey, don't get it twisted. There's, I've definitely cost myself some relationships because of it, both yeah. professional and personal. But, you know, I just try and tell the truth, and I try and be myself, like you said. And it's a lot of fun, and it can get you in trouble, and it's all a big mix. And I think when you kind of separate the, the fact or the idea that Twitter is not life, then you can have a lot more fun with it. Because I think, especially in the world of cancel culture and everything that kind of has become associated with Twitter, it's like if you just step back from it, there's not a lot of people on Twitter. It's a very <laughs> specific ecosphere. And yes, I have a version of myself that exists there, but that's not me. None of us are really ourselves on Twitter or anywhere on social media, but this is a, a version of me. I give my thoughts and I try to have some fun with it. And again, like I, I recognize that I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and that is totally fine. Now, it's interesting, too. You're in Green Bay right now, and you said, you told me you were in a coffee shop, but you're in yep. Green Bay. It's after a coffee shop. Is that what we're calling the bar these days, the coffee <laughs> shop? Uh, yes. Uh, okay, yeah. Perhaps perhaps there may be some neon signs, and one of them may spell out taps. Okay, you're right. But, Very good. Fair point. Fair point. Now, there's so many beers in Wisconsin, and obviously some big famous ones. What is your local beer of choice there, Aaron? Well, I know it's cliched, but I, it's funny. When I go to the bar, I almost always end up getting, uh, you know, a, a New Glarus product. Um, sometimes I'll get a Stillmank, whether like a Wisco Disco, um, which is a little w- less well-known than its, you know, famous counterpart. Um, Moon Man is good. Moon Man is good. But I think everyone goes for Spotted Cow. And, yeah. I mean, Spotted Cow is, is, is great, and you can't get it outside of Wisconsin. So when I'm here, I kind of feel obligated to drink it. Okay, let's talk a little football. So, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. I've been doing a lot of Philadelphia radio, and there is a sheer panic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I don't doubt it. (laughs) Sheer and utter panic. So before I get into the matchup on Thursday night, now, the Packers 3-0, why does it feel like they're 3-0, but it's not like a 3-0, like, yes, 3-0, we're about to conquer the world. It's like we're 3-0, and I'm concerned. Uh, that's good. Well, you just described Packers fans perfectly. I think Packers fans, you know, they're 3-0. The defense is doing its job. First time in a long time you can count on the defense in Green Bay. But I think Packers fans, after Mike McCarthy was fired, they got a new offense. Oh, it's, oh, it's the Shanahan-McVay offense. We've got Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be revitalized. And then you come out week one, and all the same problems are still there. All the things like him holding the ball, taking the play clock down, all the throwaways, et cetera. I thought that was going to leave with Mike McCarthy. I think that's what a lot of Packers fans are thinking. Mm. So it's, you know, it's fun to be 3-0. It's great to have a defense. And I tell you what, the vibe around the team is absolutely revitalized. It's, it's tons of fun. The, the Smiths that they brought in in free agency have been absolutely wonderful. Uh, Darnell Savage, great rookie pickup. He's been balling out. So the fun is there. They're 3-0, and it's because of their defense. But yeah, the offense, I think Packers fans are just used to cheering for an offense-led, offensively-led team, and that has certainly not been the case through three games. Uh, does it remind you of the Super Bowl winning team, which also had a good, at least statistically, a better defense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely could go that way. Now, here's something that's interesting. Rodgers' numbers through the first three weeks are comparable to where he was at at the first three weeks of 2014, and that's... You know, that team did not come out gangbusters, and no one was thinking, oh, this is a really good team. Yeah. That team ended, you know, a meltdown in Seattle away from the Super Bowl. And a lot of what happened with that team changed throughout the season. 
And that's what I keep having to remind Packers fans. What they look like now is not what they're going to look like come November and December. The question is, is how much growth are we going to see on offense? But I do think the pieces are there. They're close on offense. You've seen it. The 21-point explosion to start against Mini. You saw yesterday again. The scripted stuff worked really well early on against Denver. They're there. They've got the talent. They've just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And Rodgers just has to play in rhythm a little bit more. And I think they'll be cooking with gas. When it was happening, what was your take on the strategy of pounding cornerback in the draft and defensive back, too? Were you all of it? Because it seems like they really hit it hard with Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Darnell Savage. Was that a strategy you were down with? I mean, it was necessary, right? They definitely needed a talent upgrade, an infusion, so to speak. I know, like, you know how the draft is. Like, you spend so much time looking at all the prospects, and you have, like, this wish list, and right. none, of your guys, none of your guys end up getting picked, and it's always somebody, somebody else, and you're like, oh, I would have picked this other guy. So then you're kind of already, right out the gate, you've got, like, a bad feeling about whoever they picked because it wasn't your guy. But, look, you just let it play out, and it's pretty clear that Brian Gutekunst has done a really good job selecting people for this team, whether it is Jair Alexander, whether it is Darnell Savage. Rashawn Gary started to wake up this week. I mean, you got to let things play out. The draft, I, I know there's so much that goes into it, and there's so much media around it that everyone wants to make instant you know, proclamations. But, look, I, I think they've done a good job of you know, making over – their defensive secondary, and I think these first three weeks kind of show the results. Okay, uh, Thursday night. Uh, are you going to be at the game? I will. So, the Eagles have a chance here or not? <laughs> I need to report of something. They do. I, I have a, of course they do. I have this new weekly spot in Philadelphia, and i got to say positive things so people will like me. <laughs> <laughs> of course they have a chance. I mean, Carson Wentz is a really good quarterback. What did they have, seven drops yesterday? Well, I know, but I don't think they're going to get healthy. If they the football, they'll be be better. But, yes, they're not healthy. That doesn't help. They're on a short week. That doesn't help. They're on the road. That doesn't help. And they're facing a legit D. And they're facing a legit D, no doubt about it. But Wentz will be the best quarterback that they've faced. They have had a – the Packers' defense has had a number of uh, wide receivers who have been open over the last two weeks that Cousins and Flacco just didn't hit. Hmm. So that that gives you some hope. And you still got an insanely talented, you know, front on defense. I can get after Aaron Rodgers. It's and less talented. The they were really counting on having Jernigan and Malik Jackson. So yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a big deal. Okay, uh, Aaron Jones is, is it is it finally happening? It's arriving after all these years of <laughs> me waiting. I know, right? That fantasy is a solid fantasy pick from now on, right? I would think so. Yes, that you're always going to be beholden to kind of what we saw play out yesterday. Jamal Williams was the hot hand, and he got fed. You know, so it kind of took away. Some of Jones's production, it was mitigated by the fact that he got in the end zone twice. Uh, but I think a lot of that was due, you know, there was a rain. The rain was there. It was a mudder, muddy kind of game. So they gave Williams a lot, a lot more carries. But, yeah, Jones is going to definitely be uh, the workhorse, so to speak, from here on out. Okay. Uh, how's your relationship with Aaron? Like, I, f- <laughs> I feel like you and Aaron would be friends. Is he like uh, ever, is he ever you know, say, hey, what you watch on like TV, Aaron- that kind of thing? I I feel like Aaron and I would be friends too if he would ever return my calls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, he he and I have had a long, odd internet history together, and every summer I I put in a request for a one-on-one interview during training camp, and every summer he didn't, he declines, uh, like right outright. But this year was the first time he didn't decline outright. So he just he kind of <laughs> just waited me out until I had to go back to New York. So I'm feeling like I'm getting close. Another. 
13 years or so, I'm sure we'll be on speaking terms. Now, I think Aaron Rodgers is closer to guys like you and me. I think, I'm not saying he's not like a football guy. He loves football, obviously. But I feel like he would sit around and talk about Netflix movies and totally the latest agree. albums. Like, and he's like, he's got like a 2000s indie rock sensibility. I don't know what, I don't even know what that means. But I no, feel but like. That's very, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you're very, very spot on. When he, inevitably when the scrum ends, you know, every Wednesday he talks to the media in the locker and then the, that ends. Inevitably he ends up talking to someone about something like that, like a Netflix show or some, some docu-series or yeah. whatever. Like, he always goes on about that stuff. So I think you're, you're, you're pretty astute in that regard. How long do you think he'll play? Do you think he'll try and be like Tom Brady and play into his 40s, for example? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's, that's his stated goal. Uh, he's, he wants to play until at least 40. Okay. Uh, I, think he'll, I think he'll hit 40, but past that, man, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say with a guy who really kind of lives to get outside the pocket, lives for his mobility. You've seen that waning in the last couple of years. I don't know. I mean, if he can learn to play in rhythm, learn to play from the pocket a little bit more, I don't see why not. But uh, I, I think for, it'll be 40 and done. That's my guess. All right, Aaron, I'm going to let you go. But when are we getting together to watch football? What are we doing? What's the plan here? Give me a date. Uh, is that a Thursday <laughs> night? Should we do a, should we do a hey, Sunday a night game? A Thursday, a Thursday night is a perfect night. Because I, I think after this Thursday night, you know, Packers won't be on on Thursday night, so I don't have to work. So there you go. Yeah, we'll I know. Find, we'll I, find a Thursday night. That's I, the problem with, like, getting together with people who cover football for a living. You're all working when the football's on. I know. Well, also, yeah, we you, most of us don't really like each other, too. That's another problem. <laughs> That's another issue. We, like, vaguely like each other, but not enough to we, actually go out of our ways to get together socially. Exactly. And you know what's funny? You were talking about Twitter earlier. I, like, I remember when I first started going to the Combine, and, like, you would run into everybody yeah. who covers the league. And on Twitter, everyone's, uh, like, you know, you're respectful or nice or whatever. But, but I thought, oh, yeah, this, I know all these people. We're <laughs> all going to be friends. We're all going to hang out and drink beers together. And, like, you get there and everybody just ignores you. And no one talks to you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we're not friends. And that's all just Twitter. It's always yeah. shocking to me how short people are in real life, too, when you get to the Super well, Bowl yeah, or the Combine. What's that right, about? But you're, but you're a taller dude. Yeah, so, you are, you know, too. That, yeah, I know. But, like, so I understand, like. You, you kind of imagine everybody on your level. I know, but it feels good, though, to, to show up at media day and <laughs> to be towering over. I'm not going to name names, but we all know there's some pretty no, small guys out there. They are. They, 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 most of them work for CBS. So. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> that, I think the person you're talking about is a friend of mine, and uh, I'm going to report uh, to him. A friend of mine, too, and I wouldn't, nothing I wouldn't say to his face. In fact, he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago for talking about the same guy, and his uh-huh. initials are WB. Is that or PP? Which one are you talking about? Either one. Both. That's why I said they mostly work for CBS. NFL.com. It could be both of them. NFL.com. Those guys aren't giants either, by the way. I just want to state that. Well, I know. Exactly. All right. We might have to edit this out, Aaron. <laughs> Appreciate the time. Uh, maybe next next time there's a big Packers story, you can call me from a non-bar situation. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think we perfect. know that's not going to happen. You know. That, that's correct. I, I, I reside in bars. What are you going to do? Awesome, buddy. Talk to you soon. Well, we're almost through three weeks of the NFL season. This is Monday afternoon, and we get to see if Case Keenum and the Redskins survive against the Bears. But uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the quarter poll. I am very excited for Thursday night, Mario. Packers-Eagles is going to tell us so much about this season. The Packers go to 4-0. Oh, boy. I think Aaron, the skepticism you heard in his voice will be gone, and people will be talking them, about them as a Super Bowl possibility. Do you buy it? Uh, no. I don't, I'm just don't buy that team 
I did. I mean, who Devonte Adams? They haven't really been utilizing him. I feel like the way they have. I have my fantasy team, and he's just oh, that's fantasy. Been awful. If you had been listening to Aaron and I talk about that defense and all the talent there, you wouldn't be worried. They're so young, though. Meanwhile, the panic in Philadelphia is palpable. Oh my gosh, you should see my dad on Sundays. It's a he's a he's a mess. He blown up your phone. He's blown up my phone. Be like, how could they drop that? How could they call that? Why did they call the face mask on Miles Sanders? All valid points, Dad, and I'm down with that, but it's only been three weeks, so relax. I think get out of here, man, really took off. I think that's going to be a big thing. I think so. I think it's already tr- uh, trending in this region. Yeah, so that's a big, but it's not really sponsor-friendly because get out of here, man. Like, you don't want to say, this product is sponsored by get out of here, man, because it's kind of negative. I like it. I think it's going to catch on. Okay, get out of here, man. What if it was like a car service, like Uber or Lyft? Be yeah. Like, Hey, get out of here, man, with a lift and go out across town. Or like some kind of like Febreze, like odor. Yeah, get out of here. Right? Bad odors. Yeah, get out of here, man. Yeah. Well, good thing sales is listening to this, so we don't have to clip it for them. They'll already know about that. Uh, So we'll be back on Thursday to preview week four uh, with some interesting lines. I'm already getting a glimpse at them. Uh, We'll see. uh, You know, by the way, did you hear Sean Brace was on last week said pound the Lions, and he's from Philly. That was very accurate. They they covered easily. So we'll get into that. Uh, if you have not rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and you're listening to this, what are you doing? Get on it. We need to keep growing the Against the Grain Army. I've never heard. I've never said that. I've, I've never uttered the words Against the Grain Army. I think they're starting to form as well. Yeah. I've seen a couple of them on Twitter. I think Army is a strong word. Maybe like a little... Uh, Get out of here, man. Whatever you're going to say. <laughs> All right, that's it for us this week. Talk to you later.